0: What's up everybody welcome back to hindsightless the sporadic podcast where i talk about life role-playing games or whatever else is going around on in my head that's not how i say it but that's how i'm gonna say it this time but i mostly talk about role-playing games because despite all your planning sometimes the best planning just isn't enough okay i'm back so i'm gonna talk about Our latest session of Wrath of the Righteous. The party's in the Ivory Sanctum. They're getting ready to face down the big bad. But before that, (laughs) there's a couple. I want to talk a little bit just about something awesome. Um, So in the Audio Dungeon Discord, we have started a Lord of the Rings, basically, book club. We're going to read a chapter every week and then talk about it and so obviously we're starting with fellowship of the rings but fellowship of the rings has a prologue and in the audio version at least the one i have for whatever reason it does not have the prologue so i was like ah shit okay i'll just come in and start on chapter one no man no ray otis the man the myth the legend was cool enough, and it wasn't just for me. There was other people using audiobooks, but I'm going to pretend it was just for me because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. (laughs) So Ray Otis took some time out of his day, and he said it wasn't much extra time, but still, and friggin' read read aloud and recorded the goddamn prologue and posted it up so we could all listen to it. How friggin' awesome is that, man? Like, seriously, that's just the coolest shit. You know, I was totally content with just like ah, oh, friggin the prologue, you know? Who knew? I I didn't even know there was a prologue in fellowship because like I said, the audiobooks don't have it. And it's just friggin this dude I've never met in person, you know, it was kind enough to friggin just read aloud and record the friggin prologue, man. Uh it's just cool. I love this community. I love the role-playing game hobby and we'll hear more about why I love the hobby when I talk about Wrath of the Righteous, but I'm going to make all my players wait a bit because they, I'm sure they want to hear me talk about it because they have some feelings, I'm sure. But before that, I got a couple calls or maybe just one. We'll see. But anyway, man, if, Ray, if you're listening, thank you for doing that. That's the shit, man. I can't wait to listen to those this weekend, figure out that, listen to that prologue. For the first time, well, no, so I read Fellowship as a kid, so I must have read the prologue before, but I don't remember, so this will be the first time as an adult reading the prologue to Fellowship of the Rings. Friggin' awesome, man. (laughs) Anyway, Tolkien is saying, don't sue anybody. We're not selling the prologue or
1: nothing. It's totally legit.
0: Um, Anyway, let's get to these calls real quick, and then we'll talk more about Wrath.
1: Hey Joe, Jason here. Just listened to your Shageth Party episode. Had a blast playing that game. It was a lot of fun. You did a great job running it. And you're right, Deep Percentile makes it so easy. Whether it's Call Cthulhu or Night of the Ninja, just you know, it's such a, it's definitely my preferred dice mechanic for a for a main mechanic in a game. But you did a great job running it. Seriously, you know, and Joe didn't maybe emphasize it how well he did enough, but he, you know, we had creepy stuff going on and we're sneaking through these tunnels and come up. And when the first deep one popped up and he, he flashed on the screen and described it perfectly. And Joe threw in all these great Lovecraftian words, you, you know, like, um I, I can't remember all the words, but he used Lovecraftian words. Right. Um So it was really great. And Yeah. I, you know, my character is one that went insane, and I said, you know, what's he going to do? He's, or Joe said, what's he going to do? And I said, well, he's going to either run, he's going to go and try to join the Shagath, or he's going to commit suicide. And I rolled die, and he was going to try to join the Shagath. So there you go. He, since he was a, he had already had some Cthulhu Mythic knowledge and spells. I figured that was realistic. If he didn't have Cthulhu Mythic knowledge spells, I don't know that he would have tried to join. It. I might have come up with something else. But those were the three things that made sense to me, which is why they were the options, and I let the dice roll. Because, you know, he was insane for five hours. So <laughs> what do you do? It was a great game, though. And, Joe, I hope you run Call Cthulhu again. I hope I get to play with you again, because it was great. And like you say, everybody was great. All the players were wonderful. And, um, yeah, it was a blast. Talk to you soon. Yeah, dude, you're you're 100% right about
0: if your characters died during Wrath of the Righteous, the, it keeps on going, right? It's not about the individual characters so much, but it is more character-focused than it is world-focused, right? Like, it's very narrowed down on what the the characters that are part of the adventure are doing, as opposed to, like, the wider world around them. You guys do get some snippets of that. But yeah, like, you know, we, we are 100% on the same sheet of music for sure. I will, though, I will say that you can write, I, I don't see why there's any reason you can't have a first level character who's important to the world. If you make a first level character, yeah, he's a first level fighter, so he's a novice fighter, but maybe he's the son of the mayor, or maybe he's, you know, maybe she's the daughter of the king or something. So, yeah, I I, I don't think that being first level makes you inherently not important to the world. I think you can do that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as, you know, there's that communication that's so, so important where everybody's talking to the, you know, the game masters talking to the players and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I, I think you could totally write a backstory for a first level character where they are important. And then they get more important as they go. Uh, That's the beautiful thing about backstories. You can kind of do whatever, you know, that again, with that communication, working with the game master and vice versa and bouncing off of each other and the other characters and stuff. Uh, Yeah, man, I don't know. I think you can. Anyway, though, let's uh, let's stop talking about backstories and talk about regular stories. Let's talk about some books.
1: Hey, Joe. Jason here. I appreciate those spoilers for those series that you read. And, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit. I like books set in a certain time because they end up being a time capsule to that time. I don't think books and stories need to be timeless. I think it's okay for them to be set in a specific time. And, in fact, I think we've got examples where authors have tried to update their books because they felt that was an issue, and they've kind of messed the books up by doing that. You know, we see that like with the Repairman Jack series by um, F. Paul Wilson. You should know those that series because your fake your fake dad, is um, your dream dad, has highly recommended it. But anyway, with the Repairman Jack series. You know, they're originally written, I think, in the 80s, you know, like before cell phones were super common. And then he updated them later on to add in cell phones and stuff where they weren't there originally. And it's not, you know, you can tell, like, it doesn't quite, you know, it's not seamless, right? And so it would have been better just to leave them alone. And I like the time capsule aspect of it. But, you know, maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. But I, I'm kind of curious what other people think about that. Because when you start talking about modern technology, I, I don't know how you stay timeless at that point, right? You can – I just don't. I, I think it, if you're going to reference technology, you're in a time period. So at that point – now, you can control how much you mention, right, how, how fiddly you get with the details. But honestly, I, I, I think it's a pro, and, and I think it's a nice thing to look back on when you reread the book 30 years from then and you remember that where you're a kid and you're re- and you're reading it for the first time and that sent you down the internet rabbit hole to find out you know what's the show she's the sheriff and you start researching that and find out Dick Buckus was the um you, you know who's the deputy and the pilot for that so anyway just a thought
0: yeah dude i agree not every single story needs to be like an evergreen story you know it's just i was more trying to talk about when they start using like a bunch of pop culture references and slang and everything it can really i don't know especially i'm not super keen on remembering (laughs) you know the 2020s so far they haven't been great right uh but yeah, man. And and the the author, Ben Aronovich, doesn't go too far with it. You know, he does set it specifically in a specific time because um his publisher I actually listened to an interview with Ben Aronovich, his publisher came out and this was during the the most recent times when the summer games were in London, which I think was like twenty fourteen or twenty eleven or something early, in the 20 teens-ish, somewhere in there, his publisher came to him and said, hey, these stories should be set during the Olympics. We want a story set during the Olympics in this world because we want to hype up the Olympics. So he, Ben Aronovich, the author, moved some stuff around, put out a novella that sort of set the timeline. If you squint right around the time when the summer games in London are going on. So again, I think that was like 2012, around there somewhere. Uh But yeah, Ben Aronovich doesn't do too bad of a job of really using too much slang, which, you know, sometimes, especially if it's a word that was hot for a year and then goes away, it just, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, man, but I a hundred percent agree. Not every story needs to be evergreen. And sometimes it is good to have just a time period set in a story. So you can be like, Oh yeah, this is when this book was written. I can, I remember that. I remember the feelings and everything that I was feeling back then. Yeah, man, I, totally, I hear you a hundred percent So, thank you for both of those calls. Um, All right, let's talk about some Wrath of the Righteous. Sometimes the best laid plans amount to nothing, right? You can plan everything out, you can have your strategy set, and the dice just don't work out for you. And that's totally what happened in this fight to me. to me god damn it <laughs> yeah so the tldr version of the fight was the big bad guy xanthirvang vang did fuck all and the party kicked the shit out of him and killed him to death and now let's talk about it so yeah the party gets in a the first off the party decides to split up one of them's gonna go explore and see if they can find this vault uh the vault of the Ivory Sanctum that they heard about when they first came into the Ivory Sanctum, and the other half were gonna go do something else. <laughs> go explore some more of the unexplored areas of the Sanctum. That was the beginning of the session. They decided to split up, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then the party who didn't go to the vault got jumped by a couple. Praying mantis demons that cast a bunch of swarms all over them and did a bunch of damage and stuff. Um, and party deals with them fine. Heal up, get back together. Blah blah blah. They go to phase Zang. That's what we're listening to. Zang's floating in the air. He's like twenty feet off the ground in his chamber. That's all eerily lit, and there's a big pentagram on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, he's flying. This is going to be tough for the party. They're not going to be able to get him. Haven casts a spell that gives her wings. And I was like, oh, shit. And then Randor does his wall run thing. Because Randor is both our monk, uh, played by Jason. Haven is our paladin, played by uh, Jules. And Randor did his wall run thing and got up on the wall and jumped on Xanthir Vang. And I was like... Cool. Well, he's got displacement going. So Rand, even though Randor's gonna jump at him, he's still not gonna get him. There's a 50-50 chance he's not gonna get him. Boom, Randor totally gets him. Boom. I'm like, okay, cool. Even with that, <laughs> even with that, I'm like, he's got a plan. He'll be fine. On on Xanthir's turn. He's got an ability where he can discorporate and become... Because Xanthir Vang is made out of a swarm. He's a creature known as a worm that walks. Which is basically a humanoid shape made out of a swarm of maggots and worms and stuff. Super fucking gross. Plus he's a wizard on top of that. Plus he's mythic on top of that. So I'm like, he's going to be fine. So he discorporates. Randor falls to the ground xanthir falls to the ground the discorporate takes up most of a turn a full round action he still has a swift action which xanthir then uses to reform back into his humanoid shape because that's how it works Uh, and i was like cool back in the fight back in the fight ready to go i'm ready for it um because i'll tell you why i'm ready because paizo in their wisdom which this is an interesting topic that there's a chance, even though it came to nothing in the end, um, Paizo wrote out what Xanthir does on his turn for the first four rounds, right? Like if everything works perfectly, here's what Xanthir does because he's got an intelligence of like a 26. And so how do you play a creature that has an intelligence of 26 that's so much more intelligent than anyone right like that's incredibly incredibly super super intelligent so that's what they do they say okay here's what he does on his move action his standard action and the swift action on every turn and it's nasty man it's absolutely nasty so i'm ready for that the first round happened and i was like okay it kind of threw me off the game he wasn't able to kick it off but now he can kick it off then up comes the bard and there are a lot of people out there that talk shit about bards and say they shouldn't be in the game and that they don't do a whole hell of a lot. Bard was MVP of this fight. <laughs> Bard was MVP of this fight. Our Bard Nyx, played by our friend Laura, she cast Ear Piercing Scream on Xanthier Vang. And I was like, okay, roll me a spell caster level check to see if you can penetrate his spell resistance does your spell even affect him at all boom yeah got through that no sweat now she says give me a fortitude save xanthir fails his fortitude save and i say wait 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 i'm gonna surge it xanthir is mythic he's got mythic points he's gonna surge that uh roll an extra d8 to try and make the save still fails the save so when you fail a save on ear-piercing scream, you take a certain amount of damage, and you're dazed for one round. So now the party just gets to beat on him, but they don't get a beat on him too hard because he's got displacement on. So Haven, our paladin, is very frustrated. She keeps missing. She's hitting him, but the displacement is causing him her to miss. Because right now, Xanthir Vang's AC is really high, plus there's a 50-50 miss chance. So it's hard to get a hit in. Plus, he's got massive DR that can't be overcome. You know, any weapon that hits him is going to do 15 points less damage automatically, period, the end. No matter what. It's just automatically doing 15 damage less than it normally would. And so I'm like, okay, this sucks. This sucks, man. But... He's still he's still in it. He's not fully pinned yet. He's not grappled. He's still ready to go. Next round comes around. Bard again. Boom. Caster level check. Surpass. Give me a fortitude save. Fail. Wait. Xanthier's going to surge it. Not enough. Still fails. Boom. Days for another round. And at that point, uh, Chester, our halfling cavalier played by my buddy Woody, comes in and just chops the shit out of Xanthir Vang uh eventually the party overcomes the mischance before Xanthier van could do anything party's getting extra attacks thanks to our cleric slash oracle played by uh our buddy james his name is subin subin's casting buffs on the party and xanthir got no moves off he got nothing off before he died he doesn't have a ton of hit points right because he's a spellcaster so not a ton of hit points so and a few of his ability defensive abilities he doesn't cast till later on in the fight never got to cast those and it was just one of those things where the party worked well together even though it was a frustrating fight and some folks were jumping up and down in their room uh (laughs) not naming any names But, yeah, man, it was crazy. It's just one of those things. I, before this fight, I would have put money down. Not a lot, but I would have put some money down that at least one character would bite the big one. That at least one character would die. Because Xanther has a bunch of nasty shit that he can do. He's got spells that are crazy, right? He's got a mythic augmented maximized magic missile that hits automatically because it's magic missile and deals 90 force damage and he can do that more than once you know he's got disintegrate he had cloud kill he had repulsion it it, like he's got so much shit I was sure not sure but I would have bet that at least one character would go down and then if one character goes down then that starts up the death spiral But that's not how it happened, man. That's not how it fucking happened. The party went in there, kicked the shit out of him. He did no damage to them at all. Zero. Zero damage. Uh, And that was it. (laughs) So, yeah, that's where the session ended. Now, the party has two things they want to take care of. One, they want to go check out this vault because they never really dealt with that. They found the secret door to where the vault was. But... That was it. Then the party had to go. Then the team had to go help out the other team. Anyway, so they want to go explore that and then clear out the rest of um, the rest of the Ivory Sanctum. And then they'll be done. So next session, yeah, man, we're, we'll pretty much be done with book three. And that's amazing. I, I was really glad we got to Xanthir today. I'm really happy for the party. I'm really happy. I'm proud of them. They did a good job. I'm very sad for Xanthir, just as I was for Jerabeth, but even more sad for Xanthir. Even more, more sad. But that's how the dice go. That's why I love this hobby. That's why this hobby rules. That's why rolling dice is important. That's why not fudging is important. Because, you know, some dungeon, mat, You, I could have gotten really cheesy and been like, oh, he can still cast spells when he's in his swarm form. Which, that... That, it's, that question is up in the air, but probably not, probably not. I did a bunch of research and ruled, no, not really, that wouldn't work. So, yeah, man, it was just one of those things where the dice works in the party's the dice worked in the party's favor. It was a heck of a fight. It was very frustrating for some folks, but in the end, they won, and that's the important thing. The team victory is important. The individual accolades during a team victory aren't as important as the overall team victory. It's so a way to go team. You guys kicked ass. That was awesome. And yeah, let's let's go on to book four soon, man. We're almost there. Like you guys just need to figure out how to get the hell out. <laughs> And figure out what's in that goddamn vault. Oh man, that was a crazy ass fight. Anyway, uh, there is one more call left from Jason. I just saw it. It's about the uh, the Shagov party, the the <laughs> that mini session I ran of the post World War One soldiers versus Shogoff. So there'll be one more call from Jason, and then I'll respond, and then we'll get out of here. All right, let's do it, Jason.
1: Hey, Joe. Jason here. Just listened to your Shaggy's Party episode. Had a blast playing that game. It was a lot of fun. You did a great job running it. And you're right, Deep Percentile makes it so easy. Whether it's Call of Cthulhu or Night of the Ninja, just you know, it's such a it's definitely my preferred dice mechanic for a for a main mechanic in a game. But you did a great job running it. Seriously, it, you know, and Joe didn't maybe emphasize it how well he did enough, but he. You know, we had creepy stuff going on and we're sneaking through these tunnels and come up. And when the first deep one popped up and he, he flashed on the screen and described it perfectly and Joe threw in all these great Lovecraftian words, you know, like, um, I, I can't remember all the words, but he used Lovecraftian words, right? Um, so it was really great. And yeah, I, you know, my character is one that went insane. And I said, you know, what's he going to do? Or Joe said, what's he going to do? And I said, well, he's going to either run, he's going to go and try to join the Shagath, or he's going to commit suicide. And I rolled die, and he was going to try to join the Shagath. So there you go. He, since he was a, he had already had some Cthulhu Mythic Knowledge and spells, I figured that was realistic. If he didn't have Cthulhu Mythic Knowledge spells, I don't know that he would have tried to join. It. I might have come up with something else. But those were the three things that made sense to me, which is why. Over the options and I let the dice roll because, you know, was insane for five hours. So <laughs> what do you do? It was a great game though. And Joe, I hope you run Call Cthulhu again. I hope I get to play with you again because it was great. And like you say, everybody was great. All the players were wonderful. And um, yeah, it was a blast. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for those kind words there, Jason. That was awesome, man. Yeah. Like I said in my, in that episode, off Party, where I talked about it. I had so much fun running. And D-Percentile, it, it's just great, man. Merp is awesome. Role Master, Call of Cthulhu, BRP, Night of the Ninja. Just, you know, more and more. I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for D-Percentile games. So thank you for playing in that. It was... You know, like Jason said, I did, I tried my best to use some Lovecraftian words. I used Stygian, Lovecraft talks about Stygian darkness a lot. Um, What else did I use? I did not use non-Euclidean geometry, which I really should have, but I didn't. But yeah, I tried my best to use uh, some Lovecraft words. And it, it it was great. I, I I would love to run more Call of Cthulhu. I love that game. I love the setting, like you know, nineteen twenties era weird shit happening. It's it's just really good. I also would be interested to check out the Rivers of London RPG because that world is very cool. And I believe because it was Chaosium that made it, so there's a chance it's a deeper centile game that it's based off of brp i'm not exactly sure i do i am pretty sure though that the author ben aronovich worked with chaosium on that game though which is pretty cool so i do want to check that out because i think that would be really fun to run as well so anyway man jason thank you for that call thank you for playing in that game it was a blast and let me get out of here Yeah man the the key is the key is as a game master that even even when you want your bad guys to do stuff I'm you're still rooting for the party I'm still rooting for the party man I'm glad they won I'm glad they did it in the fashion that they did it was awesome to see a bard shine that bard in particular to see Nick shine like that and get the MVP of that fight for sure putting Xanthier out of commission for two rounds just that was it that was it right there man (laughs) but yeah what a game what a group it was just fantastic man so that's it that's all i gotta say today i'm gonna get out of here i think i'm going to a halloween party tonight as i release this it's the saturday before halloween 2023 And, yeah, I think I'm going to a Halloween party. i got to figure out what I'm going to wear. We will find out. I will let you all know. Um, So until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves, take care of somebody else, and peace out.